0: and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. I I bring greetings from Perth, Western Australia, from Urban Church, a church that my husband and I planted nine years ago. We planted out of Perth Christian Life Centre. We were there for 13 years. So we kind of grew up there and we we grew up with Pastor Ken Lee and Pastor Joel Chelyer and Pastor Mark and and I have some stories which I will save (laughs) for another time. Um, But they are our peers and our friends and we're just so proud to be counted amongst them. Um, I also bring uh, greetings from my family. I have a photo of my family, I think. So I have three beautiful children. It's my husband, Steve. I have Declan who is 18. I have Abby, who is nearly 16, and Madeline, who is nearly 13. And um, I just want you to know that Abby did not approve of this photo um, being put <laughs> on the screen. She said, mum, are you going to show a photo of us? And I said, yes, because you need to show me which one it is so that I can make sure it's okay. And she said, no, not that one. <laughs> but I didn't have another one. And She goes, can't you just put up individual photos of us? And um, here's the one I would like of me. Anyway, they are—they are beautiful. They are my joy, and um, they send their greetings. And and I, I do have this kind of um, weird dichotomy in my life. I love to study. I, I love to search out the deep things of God. I love to use my mind to unlock the mysteries of the Word and the mysteries of God. And. And so that led me to do a doctor of ministry at at Fuller. And I looked at the area of spirituality. Uh, You know, I love how our relationship with the Spirit grows, how it is formed, how it changes us, how we are transformed through our relationship with the Spirit. And I also love all things Holy Spirit. I love all those things that I can't explain, right? I think because I'm such a a heady person, I love it when God just turns up and I can't explain it. And I just have to sink into the mystery of it and engage my heart and enjoy what he is doing. So I love the miracles. I love the prophetic. I love words of knowledge. And I really love those moments, you know, those corporate moments and those individual personal moments when you just become so acutely aware that you are in the presence of something so holy, so divine, so beautiful and yet so intimately present to us. You feel fully seen, you feel fully known and you can just be still and know that He is God. And so that is, apparently that's quite unusual to be this academic and this kind of Holy Spirit binger. But, but that is who I am. And so that's the lens through which I see the Word of God. That's the lens through which I understand my relationship with Him. And so that's the lens through which I offer what it is uh, to you this morning. And I love the conference theme, Dream Again. And I'm sure that you know that that is more than just a nice slogan. It's actually a prophetic declaration. Yeah. Over your community. And as you declare, let's dream again, what you're actually being invited to is engage with the Spirit of God to begin to see in a way that moves beyond the confines of your finite and limited mind and tap into this realm of the Spirit, the realm of possibility, the realm of power. May we all dream again, amen. May we begin to see with the eyes of our understanding. Dream about what is yet to be seen in the natural but glimpsed through prophetic insight. Glimpse what already exists in the heart of God and when we see it, we begin to speak it out and we add our yes and amen. And so we can move what we've dreamt about, what we've seen in the Spirit, what we've seen as possible with God and experience it in our lives, amen. When the people of God dream with Him, they are connecting to eternal infinite possibilities that exist in the realm of his kingdom. By his grace, he allows us to glimpse what is possible. And then we add our faith and we begin to believe that heaven and earth are inseparable realities when we as the people of God provide that point of intersection for those two realms. You carry the purposes of God upon your life. You are empowered by the Spirit of God who is the one who animates those dreams in the first place. You bring the reality of His kingdom into the reality of this world in which we live right now in our generation for such a time as this. That's why this invitation to dream again as the people of God is so powerful And it changes lives and families and even cities. Amen? Now, when I heard that this was the theme of the conference, as is my usual style, I did a little bit of research into dreams, but into the actual in the night kind of dreams that you have, right, when you sleep. And I specifically looked at what can influence the dreams that we have. And one of the things that I discovered is there is a connection between our dream life and what we have eaten or what we haven't eaten or when we are hungry. Have you ever heard the phrase, I had a really weird dream. I think it was just a pizza dream. Have you had any pizza dreams? You've never heard that phrase? Okay, maybe it's a Perth thing. We have a lot of pizza in Peru. <laughs> Actually, that comes from a theory called the pickled walnut theory. Yeah, you can look it up. You can Google it. I did. And that's that this theory says that when you eat spicy or unusual foods before you go to bed, you can have bizarre kind of dreams, So that means that not every dream that you have in the night has been influenced by the Spirit of God, although He can definitely speak through our dreams, but the reality is some of your nighttime dreams can actually be the result of the spicy chicken korma or the meat lover's pizza or whatever it is that you ate the night before. There's also research into how your dreams are affected when you've been craving a particular food. So if you have been craving chocolate, what else would you be craving? If you've been craving chocolate, there's a good chance that you will have a dream at night of rivers of chocolate running through the city. Let's just our on that for a minute. What if you've been Fasting. Well, that also affects your dreams. And evidence suggests that the absence of food leading to hunger can trigger vivid, even transformational kind of dreams. So it's very clear that your level of hunger or what you have been feeding yourself influences what it is that you dream about and I want to suggest that just as it is in the natural so too in the spirit. In fact I believe that spiritual hunger can have the greatest influence on how you are dreaming again in this season than anything else. It can influence how or whether you are actually tapping into the spirit At all. The hungry will dream dreams that reflect their deepest spiritual desire. The hungry will dream about what they physically long for. They will dream dreams about what already exists in the heart of God, who is the one who gives you the dream and then satisfies the dreamer and then invites you to see, come on, glimpse what might be possible with Him. Psalm 107, verse 9 says, He satisfies. A longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. If you want to see the goodness of God in your generation, you need to get hungry. You need to get hungry for Him. Hunger attracts the attention of the one who satisfies. Hunger evokes the dreamer. Hunger causes the heart to cry out for the more that it is longing for. But if you're not hungry then your dreams will be determined by what has already satisfied you. So the question is, have your dreams been influenced by your hunger or what has just brought you comfort? What are you hungry for, Horizon Church? What are you hungry for? What is stirring within the depths of your spirit? Perhaps the bigger question is how are you cultivating your hunger for the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is brooding over this place. You can just feel it. I can feel it. And He is inviting you to engage with what it is that He wants to do in and through you and through this community. Amen. Amen. So I want to offer some thoughts around this gift, this gift of spiritual hunger this morning. Hunger is not only required for spiritual growth and life and, and health, but it is the very impetus, it is the force that we need to dream about, to take hold of, to experience the reality of the Kingdom breaking forth. The Bible tells us that to see the Kingdom, to experience it, you have to have an appetite for it. You have to pursue it. You have to lay hold of it. You have to go after it. Jesus Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 11 and in Luke chapter 16. We're going to have a look at these scriptures this morning. And this is right after in Matthew chapter 11. It's right after John the Baptist's disciples have come to Jesus and said, Are you the one that we are expecting? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent Take it by force. In Luke chapter 16, same exchange, he says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since then, the good news of the kingdom of God is preached and everyone forces their way into it. Now there's a word that is used in these two verses and it's only used twice in the entire New Testament and it's right here. And it is the Greek word biadzo, Everyone say that, biadzo. Say it like with force. Oh, yes, you can feel it. <laughs> in Matthew, that word biazzo is translated suffered violence. But that word violent is a derivative of a word that means eager pursuit. Eager pursuit. Both times this word is used in these verses It's a positive expression. It's an outworking of, it's an action that is the result of a desire, is a result of a revelation or an inward persuasion. Perhaps you could say the result of a dream that has been received from God. And when you glimpse it, when you taste it, oh, you're so hungry, you're so hungry for more that nothing, nothing will stand in your way. You eagerly pursue it. You go after it. You lay hold of it. That desire, that fire, that appetite has been given to you by God. It is a gift of His Spirit. So you must steward it. You must stir it up. You must honour it. It, it is like this stirring within. And if you're experiencing it, it'll be obvious because you will just be compelled to pursue more. It will compel you to dream again. It will compel you to live this life that nothing will stand in your way than seeking and experiencing and bringing his kingdom into this reality. These, these verses that they tell us, there is a reality, big uh, reality of the kingdom that Jesus has ushered in and is available now. And this is the reality that we are living in, that the prophets of old foresaw and declared and desired for themselves. So we are literally living in the fulfilment of their dream. They looked forward and saw these days. We have been given the responsibility of stewarding this prophetic declaration that the Old Testament prophets and kings looked toward. The question then is, what does the fulfillment of your dream look like for the generations to come? In both scriptures, Jesus points to John the Baptist as this kind of marker in time. His ministry was this turning point in the story of salvation. He says, John was a marker of a, of a shift. He pointed to the one who was going to bring the kingdom closer than you can even imagine. It's here, it's available, it's at hand and those who eagerly want it, eagerly pursue it, are hungry for it, they will experience the more that the prophets hungered for, that the prophets dreamt about themselves. It's here, it's available, but there's action required because the kingdom is taken by Biazzo by force, by passion, by pursuit. Why is it like that? You know, I think it's because God has always desired partnership with humanity. So it means the availability of the kingdom, the power that goes with it, the breakthrough that goes with it is a relational reality. It's a relational reality. This is is such an extraordinary shift in the availability of the kingdom that Jesus, pointing to John the Baptist again in Matthew eleven eleven, just one verse prior, says, Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven, the one who is least under the new covenant now, is greater than he. So he's saying John is amazing under the old covenant. He he was amazing. There is no prophet greater than John under the old. But now there's a new reality. Now there's a new way of being with God that Jesus is inviting them and us into. That alone, the fact that we are living in the days of the Spirit that the prophets and kings of old hungered for, that should start to stir you right now. Stir your hunger, stir your desire to experience it. But just to make sure they're getting the point, Jesus goes on to say, it's available now to those who pursue it, who hunger for it, who partner with the Spirit, who continually whispers to you, there is more, there is more, come on. Come on, dream again. Dream again. This is the greatest invitation to seek and to knock and to lay hold of the kingdom that you could possibly ever receive. It was given to you by Jesus himself. It's continually offered to you through the ministry of his spirit. It is life in the kingdom that is greater, more powerful, and indeed more real than this world that we live in. If you tap into, if you see, if you live from the greater our reality of the kingdom of God and his story and what he is doing, you won't get caught up in the little our reality of what is happening in the world around you. So with that in mind, let's look at one of the things he says in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount was the ultimate manual for how we access and live into and from the kingdom Matthew 5, you've probably heard this before if you've been around church for a while. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be satisfied. Now, the Greek construction around that word hunger here literally means those who continually, on an ongoing basis, day after day, hunger, hunger, hunger for the kingdom. Satisfaction is only momentary, because once you've tasted it, you just get hungry again. You just want more. You just want more of that. It's a continual action. The blessed in the kingdom are not just hungry sometimes. They're not hungry one day and not the next. They're not just hungry when things are going well. No, they're positioning their heart in a certain way, in a position of need, of hunger, of openness, that allows them to receive more from the Spirit who is always, always pouring out, always saying there is more. I wanna show you one more thing about hunger before I offer some practical thoughts around how do we maintain this? How do we nurture this? How do we stir this up? Matthew chapter 12. So Jesus has just talked about Beadso in the kingdom and then he tells this story about David. Let's read it together In verse, starting in verse 1. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, (laughs) I love Jesus, just as an aside, because he probably saw the Pharisees and just went and just (laughs) ate in front of them, just sort of walk through like this, maybe. That's how I see it, as I imagine Jesus being a bit cheeky. Anyway, The Pharisees said, look at your disciples. What they are doing is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, this is so interesting. Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God And he ate the bread of the presence, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. So what's what what is Jesus doing here? What's he pointing to? First of all, let's note that David's hunger led him to the temple. He didn't go to other places to try to satisfy his hunger. He goes to the house of God. It's the first place David goes. And in the temple, he eats the bread of the presence. Now, what did that foreshadow? It foreshadowed Jesus, the bread of life. So what else is happening here? David's hunger caused him to cross over the boundary that had been set by the law. In fact, it caused him to disregard anything that was gonna stop him getting from that bread. His hunger led him to radical law-breaking action. This is biadzo. This is violent, eager pursuit that David is demonstrating. Jesus has just said, this is how you access the kingdom. Now let me tell you a story about David. So he's clearly saying, this is Beadzo in action. So what is what else is Jesus doing? Well, he is saying that that incident shows us that what David did was considered to be a higher expression of devotion to God than keeping the law was in that Time. Let me put it another way. God was so moved by David's hunger, which led to his radical pursuit and partaking of the bread of the presence that it transcended the requirements that God Himself had put in place to approach him. And then Jesus says, but now something greater than the temple is here. I am that bread. And if what David did in the physical temple, eating the physical bread, which was only a shadow of the greater reality, which is now here, moved the heart of God to the point where Jesus uses it to teach the Pharisees that David's hunger for the physical bread transcended the law and moved the heart of God that David managed in the old covenant to access the kingdom. How much more should we hunger for that bread of life who has now come for the very one who fully fulfilled what David hungered for in the Old Testament? If that was just a shadow, then I believe that our hunger moves the heart of God in the same way. And He fills the hungry again and again and again because He never changes. He never changes. We're living in the dream of the prophets of old because every single barrier, including the law, has been removed for you and for I. So there is nothing separating you right now from the fullness of God right now in this very moment but hunger will cause you to press beyond what tries to keep you from the fullness of Christ and partaking of him in a way that David could only dream about are you hungry are you hungry for it it's right here it's yours so let's get let's get practical start stirring it up a little bit more a little bit more let me just quickly look at what hinders our spiritual hunger, what stops us from reaching into the more. If you've got the Spirit of God within you, you will have a measure of hunger because that's the role of the Spirit. It is to propel you towards Christ. It is to reveal more of Christ to you. It is to whisper, there is more, dream again. So, so why might it just be a bit dull in your life? The first thing I think is because we just don't respond to it. We don't steward it. We don't honour it. We're not being forceful or violent in our pursuit of it. Another way of saying this is we're just a little bit spiritually apathetic. Thing is, spiritual growth, it has has a cost. It requires investment. And even though what we receive when we pursue God makes any question of cost an embarrassing one there's still a requirement of you to take action for your own spiritual journey, for you to partner with the Spirit of God, to press in for you. God has made you individual. He has made you unique. You express an aspect of Him that only you can express seven billion people on earth today and many billions that have gone before us, each one of them created in the image of God, each one of them showing a slightly different facet of who he is. We will never exhaust his greatness. We will never fully understand who he is. But you as an individual express something about our God. You being fully you. You being fully formed in the image that Christ saw, that he saw before he laid the foundation of the world. Part of our spiritual journey is removing all the ways that we've covered that over and lived a false life or projected a certain personality or a certain mask and Jesus is always calling to the person he saw before he even created you. The prophetic will always speak to the person that God created you to be. Sometimes it might sound Really foreign to you because you actually don't even know who you really are. But God will always call that out, calling you to go deeper, calling you to dream again, to pursue the kingdom. If you've got ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is beckoning you to dream, to see the eternal realm of possibilities becoming reality. You know, when we first begin on our spiritual journey, it's kind of easy. There's such a beautiful grace. The worship is amazing, every song is anointed, it's never too loud, I love this song, I love that song, you know, we can pray and there's just this consolation, this feeling of the spirit with us, everything's amazing, life is colourful, I've got these new eyes and then sooner or later the milk sort of runs out and God begins to wean you and he says now hang on, I'm going to give you something to chew on. I want you to exert some effort. I want you to go deeper with me. And, you know, some of our spiritual apathy is just the result of living in a society of convenience. Ours is the day of the quick, the instant, the fast-paced life, and everything that requires a bit of ongoing commitment or persistence or perseverance or challenge. Yeah, it's not so attractive. In addition to that, you know, we, we have to be comfortable with mystery. When we press into our spiritual formation, when we press into who we really are, you'll be confronted with some things that are unfamiliar and they require time and commitment and courage to explore what is going on. Who am I? God, who are you? Who am I in you? How do I express who I really am? But if we honour that hunger, it will fuel what we need to press forward into that more. Hunger is the motivating factor that causes people to move out of themselves like David did into something greater, to move beyond your convenience. The other thing that hinders it is just attempting to satisfy it with something other than the Lord. David goes straight to the temple, straight to the house of God, straight to the bread of the presence. If you're trying to satisfy those longings in your heart for something with something other than Christ, you will never be satisfied. So how do we nurture it? I'm gonna finish off today by looking at how do we nurture it? How do we honour it? How do we stir it up? Well, the first thing you need to do is identify how do you experience it? What does it feel like for you? And once you've identified it, start to stir it up. It could feel like a desire. It could actually have a physical feeling to it, a sense of something. You might feel it when someone gives a testimony. You might feel it when you, you hear stories of incredible miracles. For me, I kind of feel it in my gut. I kind of feel it down here. It's like a it's like an energy. It has this anticipatory feeling to it. It's like, oh, I just I'm hungry for something. I I can feel I feel so by something. And that feeling, like even right now, as I ask you that question, begin to be aware. What am I feeling? Where am I feeling it? For some of you, it will be right here on your chest. It's like, oh, my heart. My heart is starting to pound. You might feel like a weight come upon your shoulders. You might also feel it in your gut. You might actually feel like something beginning to stir within you. You know, we're body, soul and spirit. God uses every part of us to speak. He can use a physical sense as Well, for me, that's what it feels like, this physical sense. And it should be honoured because it is a gift. You know what? In fact, any desire or hunger that you have for God is a gift that has been given by him because it found its genesis. It found its beginning in God. He is always the great seeker. He's been pursuing you long before you began pursuing Him. We love because He first loved us. This whole thing is just a response to God. We're just responding to this invitation that He's given us. So this this hunger is a gift and He gives it because it's the key to experience the kingdom. And He wants you to experience it more than you want to yourself. So start to notice it, honour it, stir it up. How are you partnering With what God wants to do within you and wants to do through you. One of the ways I like to stir my hunger is to read the spiritual classics of the Christian mystics, Teresa of Avila, Ignatius of Loyola. They write about this experience, this knowledge of God that they lived in, in a way that just pulls on these stirrings that I have. I'm like, I want that. I want to know God. I want to know God like you know him. I want to have those experiences that you have had. I want to see what you have seen. I think many of them saw things and experienced things and they wrote like this much of this much because this much is for this corporate expression but this much is just for you and him. He so desires that intimacy. But I read that and it just, within me. So however small that stirring is for you, work out, how do I fan it? How do I stir it up? Read the stories of the lovers of God who continue to testify to you, there is more, there's more, come on, dream again. The next thing we need is just humility. You know, to maintain hunger, you have to maintain humility because humility admits need. It admits, I I have a need. Maturity in the kingdom is a sustained posture of humility. It's admitting, I need God. Maturity is approaching your spirituality from the mindset of a beginner. The minute you think you've got God worked out, you've lost your way or else you've just created God in your own image. You will never exhaust Exploring the greatness that surrounds him. Psalm 145 in the Passion says, There is no end to the discovery of the greatness that surrounds you. And that's why each generation will be able to testify of more and more and more of his greatness and more and more and more of his glory. Returning to the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of God acknowledging the fact, without God, I have nothing. It positions you. It opens you to receive more from the Spirit. When you have nothing, you're pretty hungry, right? It's got nothing to do with natural wealth. We only have to look at King David to know that he had a a life of abundance. But when he prayed, he said, God, I'm so poor. I'm so needy. And he had such favour with God because he remained in this place of hunger. Luke 153 says he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Filled the hungry but the rich or those who don't acknowledge their need or are too full of pride they leave empty. Humility maintains hunger. The last thing you have to do is eat. This is one of the great paradoxes of the kingdom. In the natural you get hungry from not eating but in the spirit you get hungrier through eating through partaking of the bread, through coming to Jesus. And so what feeds your hunger? How do you taste and see that the Lord is good? Discover what that is for you and then do more of that. Spiritual practices that open you up to the presence of Christ. Do more of that. And then, of course, alongside all of these things, we've got Paul's exhortation in Ephesians 5. Keep being filled over and over and over and over with the Spirit. You could say to experience more of the kingdom, you have to be full and hungry. It's not a contradiction. The more full of the Spirit you are, the more hungry you are because you've tasted it and you want more. Let me end with one more thing. The whole band can come and join me on stage. That'd be great. Psalm 107. This is really important, Horizon. I really felt this particular scripture was important for you. 107 verse 36, it's a psalm about how Israel was led by God in the wilderness and they kept looking for places to live. And in verse 36 it says, there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. The hungry are given the unique privilege of establishing a city for the Lord. God trusts cities to the hungry because He wants the DNA, He wants the foundational values of that city to be defined by those who have remained humble, hungry, connected to divine purpose. He wants cities to be defined by the dreamers who are not complacent, who are not satisfied with what they have already obtained, but to those who are always pressing in for more, for those who understand, biadzo. For those who can see it and partner with God, favour and influence is released to the hungry because their voice impacts the destiny of cities. How hungry are you, Horizon Church? Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.